Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 212 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Miracle. Jacob, what's going on in pop culture? I feel like I don't have any idea. Oh, it's, well, basically right now it's NFL playoffs is all anybody's talking about. There, yeah, that's true. There's your second Avatar movie that's making all kinds of money. I'll never understand. I don't get it either, man. At least this one apparently has a semi-original plot, so that's pretty awesome. It's not just another Kevin Costner movie. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen Avatar Yellowstone, but I guess we're going to have to wait for, see, for uh, the third movie for that. What else is going on? I feel like you always got the skinny. No, not a lot going on right All now, All right. Man. Did you watch the Golden Globes? I did not. Uh, I did not, but I did hear like the results of it. I actually forgot it was on. I, yeah. I was like watching, I think, probably Sunday Night Football or something, and then they're like, oh, all these awards are happening, and we actually have an interesting race for... Uh, Best Supporting Actor and Best Actress this year coming up, so that's going to be pretty cool. Could be, could be. You know Kate Blanchett's going to win it. We all know. I mean, she was great. What can I say? I thought she was wonderful. Mm. I liked me some tar. It's like giving Meryl Streep an Oscar. It's like, eh, just put her up there, and it's like, we all know she's good. Give it to somebody else at this we point. We need some participation awards. Um, But we both isn't did. That, isn't that what the Golden Globes are? <laughs> I mean, pretty much. Watch <laughs> a movie that we want to recommend to everybody else because... Wow. It's pretty, I like, pretty great. I like an original concept film. We are talking about the movie The Menu. Mm-hmm. The, the Menu. Which kind of came out of nowhere like with its previews, and then you see it, and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm interested in this idea. I also like that what we're talking about is not spoilers because they give away the entire film in the trailer. Yeah. But it's okay because it makes you want to go see it. I feel I was like... Yes. Yeah, like, I oh, go enjoy on. this. Go so, on. So director Mark Mylod, he satirizes a very specific kind of elitism here with his wildly over-the-top depiction of the gourmet food world. You say over-the-top, not that much over-the-top. I'll say that. I mean, that's true with the foodies out there. This is an eclectic mix of people that board a ferry for this quick trip to their storied destination, which is an exclusive remote island of Hawthorne, where Chef Slowick, who's played by Ray Fiennes, hosts a multi-course meal prepared using only the ingredients available within reach of the island's ecosystem. Which already makes you roll your eyes a little bit when you get told that. You're like, ugh. So Chef Slowick's fine-tuned multi-course dinners are legendary and exorbitant. They are $1,250 a person. Wow. Where the less than impressed Margot, who's played by Jacob's favorite, um, Anna Taylor-Joy. I am a fan, I gotta say. And so she quips to her date, Tyler, who's played by Nicholas Holt, as they're waiting for this boat to arrive. She's like, what are we eating, a Rolex? Because... It's really ridiculous. It is like, oh, we're gonna pay twelve hundred dollars and we're gonna get like a turtle shell with like some uh, with some parsley put on top or yes, something like that. But you know, the, her date there considers himself a real culinary connoisseur, so he's been dreaming dreaming of this moment for ages. She is just along for the ride. We learn, and then also on board this fancy pants boat. We have a once popular actor who's played by John Leguizamo. A little bit on the nose there, if you ask me. I mean, kind of. (laughs) His beleaguered assistant. We have three obnoxious entitled tech dudes. We have a wealthy older man and his wife, who I just want to say is a very underutilized Judith Light. Yeah, yeah, they didn't really do much with those two characters. They did not. And then a prestigious food critic um, and her, like, just terrible editor. Um, But regardless of their status... They all pay deference to the star of the night, um, the man whose artful and inspired creations brought them here. So that is our chef Slawick. Was that? 
Slawik? Yeah, I think Slawik is the way you do it. Slawik? Who, whoever knows what some of these European names are. They all of a sudden W's turn I mean, into we, ice. We heard it in the movie and we just don't remember. Um, <laughs> but he has this disarming combination of like zen-like calm and then obsessive control at the same time. I love how he began each meal with like that thunderous clap of his hands. Yeah. That made me jump every time. It's like at least that. I'm like, okay, I kind of like that idea. Like focus. Yes. And he's just these crazy meals. You get this increasingly amusing on-screen description of the dishes that he is providing with this like amusing commentary on kind of how the whole night is going to evolve as a whole and the guest's you know, begin to realize this this could possibly be the last meal they ever eat. Yeah, they kind of go. It starts trending in that direction after certain events take place. They're like, well, this isn't going to end this well This doesn't for us. seem great. I, it is one of the strangest and most absurd thrillers that I've ever seen, and I found it super enjoyable. I love when they come up with, like, original ideas because it's kind of rare in Hollywood these days, and I can't say that I've seen one involving a kitchen in this particular direction. Like, the scariest kitchen movie I got was that Aaron Eckhart, Catherine Zeta-Jones um, oh, yeah, no. romantic comedy in a yeah, kitchen that was horrifying it's about as bad as it got and it's such a huge industry mm-hmm. like big money in this industry and you know the interesting part is like there's a whole other side to the menu that's fascinating it's the notion that when someone is really pushed to the limits of their profession they may kind of look back and then only see the carnage that like they created or they helped to create um and that's kind of how like slawick feels like his success is being in the precision to like achieve over and over again and that's like really hard to manage oh yeah like especially when you get your standards that high it's like you're forced to sort of stay up there or else because people are gonna look at you it's because you have to maintain this balance in order to keep rising and then it's like well what happens when a person looks back and they don't see the joy or pleasure or even you know this balance that they sought to sustain you end up with someone whose regrets really calcify. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And their heart hardens. And, and they kind of get a little bit bitter and they start blaming other people for Yeah, and they're looking and... at these, like, selfish clients who are always the people who, like, seem, like, the least impressed and they're enjoying it the least, but they're always there because they want this, like, clout just to say right. they were there, which are just the worst of the people. I mean... Like critics in general are the worst because you're criticizing somebody something somebody else did that you could never do that, on your and best also day. it's like you don't like it. Right. You don't I like hate it. that we act like you speak for everyone. Yeah. If you don't like it, no one will. So like it's a little ridiculous. Um but I do like that the screenwriters, you know, they showed that Slawick himself wasn't immune to his failures and like he's not a hypocrite no he's not he one of the few things that's interesting is this dude kind of practices what he preaches man this is not going to end up well for anybody in this kind of situation and he's done oh yeah he's like i'm gonna quit but i'm gonna make it the best quit you're ever gonna see that is truly the (laughs) best quit you ever see and i think sometimes audience could be split about the hypocrisy of like rich people are making a film about the evils of wealthy people but i mean those are the people who have the ability to make films unfortunately Um, that's another problem we can get into another day i know that's very true that's how you end up with a steven spielberg snore fest that's probably going to win best picture this year it's like i'm gonna make a movie about my childhood that nobody wants to see i thought the movie was great you didn't like it (laughs) it's a a biopic me made about yourself man it's a little pretentious in my my opinion i don't know it was about his love of film Mm, i like that movie if you wish um, but I would say, like, this movie, the menu works because in our current times with the wealth gap constantly growing oh, yeah. exponentially larger and larger, films like this do offer a reminder 
that the wealthy class only exists as long as we let it. That's true. So. You know what's actually funny? This movie actually had real world consequences because um, yes. not uh, coincidentally, I'm sure it was a complete accident if you ask the chef. But the, uh, the world-famous, quote-unquote, best restaurant in the world, Noma, actually announced that it was closing about two weeks after this movie came out. Yeah, so kind of crazy. Every, and since this movie was apparently based on that, the chef, of course, is like, no, 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 no. It's not at all because of that movie that I'm closing the restaurant. No, no, no. It has nothing. It's perfect coincidental <laughs> timing that right when the movie comes out is when I decide to close my restaurant. And, like, so. who can say what's best? When my pizza place really nails their pizza on my Thursday pizza days, it's the best there is, so oh. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, absolutely. It's like, <laughs> hey, man, this is what real good food is. Like, you can take your, like, breaded whatever the hecker, like, five-time whipped cream or whatever. The food that's so tiny, you're like, there's five colorful little dots on my plate. It's like you, cool. feel, like, you feel like the Kermit meme sometimes when you look at this. They bring out this little plate of food, <laughs> and you're just, like, looking around your shoulders, like, where's the rest of it? There's man? nothing like paying, like, hundreds of dollars for a meal and leaving and being like, I'm hungry. Yeah. Is, Mc- is there McDonald's around? I'm going to go get some dollar fries. I feel like better. I've done that in my life. And I think, though, I also like the movie because, like, the service industry as a whole has just received the short end of the stick throughout time. Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, they don't get the respect that they deserve. And people really think, especially now with, like, influencers and stuff, people feel that if they have, like, an audience and an opinion that their feelings, their thoughts are somehow more valid than people working in the industry. And it's like, just stop. Yeah, just be, keep you can voice your opinion, but don't try to force it on other people. Just kind of put it out there and don't tell people, like, this is the best you're ever going to get. And like, well, it's probably not. Yeah. Like, you don't know that. My mom makes a great goulash, too. You yeah, know? I so really what do that. you know? <laughs> I mean, let I'll just end it with let this movie be a stark reminder to not mess with the people who serve you. <laughs> ah, it's always a good idea. Don't send stuff back like to the kitchen. It's probably not the best idea for and you. And yet, when you watch the movie, there is an interesting part of that. Yeah. An interesting part of the customer is always right, still embedded in people's minds. It's a good film. It's definitely worth checking out. If, if you do have a critique, everybody, remember, make it an honest and straightforward one that, that somebody can understand. Don't just make it some arbitrary nonsense you made up in your head. I still like one of my favorites when I worked um, at a diner. And my best friend was the cook, and this guy came in and he ordered chicken something. And he was sitting there for like five minutes and like got up and was like complaining that he was going to leave because he was like, oh, like, where's my food? And my friend was not having it. She was like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you wanted your chicken cooked. Yeah. You want- I didn't know you wanted it raw. Like, chicken takes a specific amount of time to cook. Yeah. You noodle heads. It's like, oh, you know, you want to leave? All right, adios, dude. Goodbye. See ya. If you want five Man. minute, if you want five minute cooked chicken, I can't serve it to you legally. So adios. I mean, that's chicken that's already prepared. We have fresh chicken. Yeah. You want that kind of stuff? You go uh, go down the street to that little uh, greasy spoon nonsense yeah. down there. They'll give you five minute chicken, no problem. I think if you work in the service industry, you will extra appreciate this movie. But even if you didn't, it's it's a good one. Oh it's yeah. It's just like old fashioned. Like this was just fun. I did not have to take this too seriously. Yeah, it's got something for everybody. Got a good actor in Ray Fiennes. You got your Eye Candy and Holt and uh, Taylor Joy. You got your. I mean, I don't like to talk negatively about people, but I will say she's very interesting looking. But her eyeballs 
are so far apart. They're almost on the sides of her head. She does have a little bit of alien eyes. Yeah, uh, like it's weird. Like I still find her attractive, but I'm like, those eyeballs, they're I, in a weird place. That Mad Max prequel is going to be really interesting with her and Nicholas Holt. Well, not Nicholas Holt. I forget who the guy. Oh, wow, Chris Hemsworth. But that's I mean, going to be interesting. he was in the last one. He was so good. I know. I was trying to think Witness like. Witness me. <laughs> it wouldn't make any sense if he's in the next movie. But it's going to be interesting to watch when she's playing Furiosa. So we'll see how that goes, too. We shall come, see. Come back for a Taylor Joy episode that Michelle's going to hate that we do. I'm not going to hate. I mean, I like her. I like her. Um, but today we're going to talk about the great one in the menu, and that is actor Rafe Nathaniel Twistleton Wycam Fines. What the heck are those? La- what did you say? Twizzleton yes. Wycam? Wow. That's his, that's his full name. And I would like to just apologize to him for all past episodes where I did call him Ralph. I know now that it is pronounced Rafe and Jacob knew it all along. Mm-hmm. I told you, man. Sometimes my my jokey, uh, my jokey overpronunciations work out and it did quite You're well smart. in this one. You're smart. Although I did look up his pronunciation on YouTube and found something a little different. So tell me if you think this one's accurate. Ralpaha Fiennes. Ralpaha Fiennes. Ralpaha Fiennes. What is <laughs> what the heck is that? Ralphano Fiennes. Like, they just pronounced it like phonetically. I think the computer is just having some Ralpaha fun. Ralpaha Fiennes. <laughs> <laughs> little computer gremlins are like poking each other. Hey, check this out. I'm gonna totally do this, and everybody's gonna be laughing about it. Oh. There's gonna be somebody who's gonna go to uh, who's gonna go to Noma tonight. That's gonna pronounce it just <laughs> like this. Oh, anyway, so our boy Rafe was born on December 22nd, 1962 in Suffolk, England to uh, his mother was a novelist and his father was a photographer. So we definitely had art in the blood. He's the eldest of six children and all six siblings have gone on to pursue successful careers in the entertainment industry, which each of them are either like an actor, director, producer, or musician. Hmm. Yeah, That's good. Cool. One out of six successful ones ain't bad. I mean, Joseph is a great actor. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. We love him. But moving on, this episode is not about Joseph. It's about Rafe. And we are going to talk. It's good because it'd be about five minutes long if it was. He has so many things <laughs> about um, some of our favorite movies that he's been in. Yeah. I think people will have seen a lot of them, but possibly not all of them. So let's get to it. So the first one, I think the most obvious, we have to bring up Schindler's List. Uh, yeah, I'd say that's probably his his best one. Uh, easily, I would say. I mean, definitely one of them. Um, so I'm sure you know the premise very quickly. Businessman Oscar Schindler, played by Liam Nielsen, arrives in Krakow in 1939. He's ready to make his fortune from World War II. He joins the Nazi party, primarily for like um, political expediency and then he staffs his factory with Jewish workers for similarly pragmatic reasons but then when the SS begins exterminating uh, Jews he kind of arranges to have his workers protected to keep his factory in operation um, and saves some innocent lives Um, but we see the Holocaust in a vivid and terrible way through Fines, who plays Nazi prison camp commandant named Gert, who is kind of like the study of stupidity and evil. Yeah, a little bit. Like where you're like, this is so stupid. Willing stupidity at that. Like knows, no, kind of knows, but doesn't know. At the I same mean, time. he's like on his little villa, on his veranda, just shooting Jews in the yard for target practice. But he's one of those weak hypocrites who upholds an ideal, but then makes himself an exception for it, which is what we're hearing about all the time. So he's preaching the death of Jews, but then chooses a pretty one 
to be his maid and then falls in love with her. Well, she she's she's one of the good ones. You see. I mean, of there, course, there's, there's always good ones. You oh, know, you know, right. Blah, 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 blah. And he doesn't find it monstrous that her people are being exterminated. No, 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 no. Doesn't count. No, that doesn't count. I mean, he sees his personal needs as more important than right or wrong or life or death. He has so much malice and cruelty. It's hard to believe that this was one of Fine's first films. It is kind of hard to believe. Like, guy's such a good actor. You figure that somebody would have seen him before that. Yeah, so he had some stuff, but the sheer power and magnitude of this performance, it's not surprising he was nominated for an Oscar, but it is surprising he didn't win it. I'm, I kind of, I had a false memory that he did win, to be honest. When I looked yeah. it up and they said he was nominated, I'm like, I thought he won for that. I thought yeah. everybody won everything for Schindler's List that year. And, I mean, he definitely could have. So somehow if you missed schindler's list check it out yeah i mean you probably should have watched it like you know when it came out 30 years ago and just just a little point it's kind of an important movie everybody it's kind of an important movie but he is really fantastic in it so uh, what about what do you want to bring so surprisingly um you know what movie ray finds was actually in that i enjoyed the most was the 1998 animated movie the prince of egypt have you seen that one i actually loved the prince of egypt holy cow is he is that he's ramsey he's ramsey's yeah so i did not know that i like i knew who he was but when i first saw prince of egypt i was it's a religious movie based on like Moses and it's a musical at the time I was kind of like sure. whatever I don't really think I'm gonna like it I have seen that movie so many times because it was a on HBO a lot and it was just a good movie it's just it, a good movie so if you haven't seen it it's um it's star it's a DreamWorks movie so another Spielberg one and it basically goes over um life of Moses while he's in Egypt and his deals with uh, Ramses who's his you know brother there's really a beautiful family love story there too yeah the love story between Moses and his wife but then there's that brotherly back and forth between uh, Ramses and uh, Moses Val Kilmer does a great performance um, playing uh, Moses and I think yeah he's the voice of God in that movie too um, I don't even remember this is all very interesting info um, but the animation is, is in it is fantastic surprisingly good vocals by Kilmer and Fines, like they both can actually sing the roles pretty well in this movie. The songs are catchy. Even if you're not like a religious person, this is one of those rare movies where it does have that kind of theme to it. But overall, the movie's worth checking out just regardless. Like it's there, but it doesn't really, it doesn't paint the entire movie. Like it's not all that it is, is just the religious story. There's actually no, something really to enjoy as a movie itself. That's a really good pick. Yeah, it's a random one. It was a big hit at the time. Um, I'm surprised they didn't. I don't want to say like it make a movie universe. They probably could have made more of these kind of animated musicals. They just didn't for some reason. What do you mean? There's a lot of animated musicals. They're no. like all musicals. No, no, no. I know, but I mean like of like biblical stories and oh, stuff. Like they could have oh, okay, made I more see. of them in this kind of framework. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't, but like literally a couple songs nominated. Yeah, a song nominated for an Oscar. Um, it's escaping me at the moment. I don't remember. No, which I one don't it was. remember. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for a good animated, you want yeah. a musical in your hands, you cool. find out when Val Kilmer unfortunately could still talk and. Find Find out why he was such a big actor at the time, man. Go check this one out. Yeah. If you're able to keep, anytime you're in a movie with Ray Fiennes and you're able to like hold your own against him, it's always a, it says good things about yeah. your acting ability. So that's a good find. I'm um, okay. I'll talk about one I love so much: the film In Bruges. Oh, it's your, like your favorite movie, man. I mean, I do love that movie. It's another wonderful Martin McDonough ba- film. Banshees of Inisherin Part One is basically what it Pretty is. Pretty much, that's where we got these great actors together. But after a particularly difficult job, we have Dublin hitman Ray, played by Colin Farrell. Um, and Ken, played by Brendan Gleeson, and they're sent to Bruges, which is in Belgium, to hide out until things cool down. You know, both of them don't love being there. 
Oh, that's an understatement, I would say. They have a, a lot of surreal and kind of life-changing it's a, it's a encounters. Lo- it's a lovely place, I hear. Lovely place. Holy cow. So I'll talk about that in a second. But on a lighter note of the film, I mean, it is a black comedy anyway, but we get to see Fines, and he he really gives his character like his usual dimensional depth, mm-hmm. but we learn that he has impeccable comedic timing in this film. Surprisingly, which I think yes. People didn't know about him. He's a gangster with principles. Um... But he gets some of the most incredible lines in the movie, and he gets to play a likable villain. Which is hard to do, surprisingly, for people. It really is. So There's more to it than just, like, smiling into a camera and stuff. It's not how it works, guys. Yes. He is, he's wonderful in this film. And as Jacob said, if this movie accomplishes nothing else, it should inspire you with an urgent desire to visit Bruges, which I'm going to honestly say is the most magical city I've ever been to. Well, that's what I hear. I hear it's magical. Did you? Was there a, um, a little person filming and having coke orgies and stuff while that, you were there? That wasn't happening, um, but there was a lot of scenes, like things that I was like, oh, I remember seeing that from the movie. The best part is in the movie... Um, at one point, you see, like, a house because it's all, like, on water. It's so beautiful there. And there's, like, a dog laying on a pillow looking out the window. I saw that dog in real life. The dog's still, like, living there? He's just like, oh, The I dog it. is, like, a constant. Like, everyone knows the dog because he's always in the window. So, That's yes. pretty great, Watch man. the movie. Enjoy Ray Fiennes that's and a, go to Bruges. That is a cast that uh, nowadays, that's a big time, all kinds of awards all over that. Like, at the time, Brendan Gleeson, he was known but not known. Yeah. And Colin Farrell, everybody was still kind of scoffing at him, but. They're so good. Oh, such a good, good, good team. Mo- yeah, good, good group there, man. <laughs> yeah. More movies by those guys. All right, so the next one I'm going to go with is um, the 1994 Robert Redford movie Quiz Show. Another one that oh, I have God. seen. We've way talked about too it many so times. much because it's so good. It is. Um, it's based on the true story of the 21 Quiz Show scandal, where the uh, they were the network and stuff, or the producers were giving the answers to the questions on this quote-unquote legit game show to people they wanted to win to kind of spike ratings and to manipulate the audiences a little bit. To be bit. sick of the guy who's actually winning because the audience doesn't like him. Yeah. You're like, let's get an attractive, nice man. <laughs> Imagine that. Like, if there was a time where reality shows and stuff were fake, like, <laughs> it certainly can't be the case nowadays. Like, what is, that's a terrible scandal, though. I it mean, it one. would be a scandal now if you heard Jeopardy did that. We would be like, what? Oh, my God. Could you imagine? People no, would be I like, really can't. People would be like running my MBL like out of town on a rail, man. Seriously. Ken, like, good Ken dude would be like, get out of my face, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a very good adaptation. Uh, he plays uh, Charles Van Doren, who's the, uh, the chosen one by the producers. Um, it also stars John Turturro's running around in there. Um, Robert Redford movies sometimes can be a bit dry. At, he's not the world's greatest director. He's fine. But I like him, but I know he's what you're good, saying. He's a pretty good director there. Um, but this is one of his better movies. It was up for a bunch of Academy Awards. I don't think it really won any, but it was up for you know a bunch of them. Um, if you're looking for a movie that you just sit back, you, I'm sure if you're young, you've never heard of this game. You have no idea what it is. So if you want kind of a weird off to- off kilter kind of topic that's presented in a straightforward and interesting manner, I mean ultimately it's a sto- movie about an investigation and one guy trying to decide whether he wants his integrity or whether he likes money more. So. And honestly, everyone could be like, "How how is that a hard decision?" It is. You get it. Like Ray Fiennes plays it in a way where you're like, "I really feel he's like very tortured about it." It's also bad because you don't really need to do it, dude. It's kind of like you didn't need to cheat. You probably could have won the, on your own, but maybe. But the show wanted to make sure, like, it's more their fault than his fault. It is. Like you could have said no, but really, who would say no? I know I would. When people are in positions of power and tell you to do things, I mean. 
that yeah. happens. Here's here's money. Now just yeah. do what we tell you to do. All right. <laughs> so also a good one. Good movie to check out. We would have to mention the English Patient. Like man, he has been in a lot of big movies, hasn't he? That My was God. a huge movie. We've this. We've got Oscar nominees all over the place with this guy. Which yes, he definitely got for this film. The sweeping expanses of the Sahara Desert mm-hmm. is pretty much the majority of what we're seeing in this. But it's really the story that is a badly burned man who's played by Ray Fiennes, and he's tended to by a nurse in this Italian monastery near the end of World War II. He is so burnt. Mm-hmm. It's really terrible. He can't remember anything. So this nurse is taking care um, of him, and then his past ends up being revealed through flashbacks um, involving this married English woman and him mapping the African landscape. But he really, this is where he exploded into leading man stardom. Yeah, he was kind of like a bit player, like a background actor. This was like his first Big time. Yes. And he he portrays a more complex and sensitive version of like a typical military hero that we give in films. And he kind of brings like a Shakespearean tragedy to the role. Like this really tortured journey and a never fully realized love. And I would just say that he played he's like a real chameleon chameleon in the film. Yeah. He's morphing through a million emotional states and he just nails all of them. And it's really believable. It's so funny that at the time people were like, oh, it's so long because it was like two hours and 40 minutes. And now I'm like, that LOL. laughable. That, <laughs> yeah. If I walk into like a big summer blockbuster and it's under like 220, 230, like, like, what? what are we doing here? Yeah. Man? What is going on? So, but yeah, that yeah. was a, another well-deserved Oscar-nominated film. It's one of those movies, too, that it lives or dies by its performances. Like you get yes. bad actors in that movie. You'd be so bored. Yeah, bored. And the movie does terrible and waste of time and money. And yeah, just... but Kristen Scott Thomas, I really love her. Remember, she remember does a great her? job. Want to fall into a time warp, uh, say Kristen Scott Thomas's name in the mirror three she times. She does kind of, I think, more smaller stuff. She can do whatever she wants. I love her. Pretty much, yeah. Another good actor that kind of fell through the cracks, unfortunately. But Maybe. Meryl Streep eating all the roles <laughs> in Hollywood. Ugh. All right, what else? All right, so for people more recently... <clears throat> uh, one thing that Ray Fiennes was known is he, uh, in the l- most recent Bond films, he took over the role of M um, in Skyfall, Spectre, and uh, No Time to Die. Yeah, so. tough character to follow, but Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, replacing Judy Dench, you have to be somebody big. And like, yeah. Ray Fiennes slides right to that. So originally with these Bond movies, the original premise of them was they were going to be a prequel to the other Bond movies. Like they were like what happened before. Yeah. So the idea being that these movies would sl- seamlessly slide into like the uh, Sean Connery movies and that they were all canon. They thankfully moved away from that idea. I like the idea at the beginning, yeah. but then as they got farther on, I'm like, it wouldn't make any sense. No, probably not. It's uh, it's more now where the James Bond name is kind of like just the not, the name for the top spy in England. That seems to be the direction they're going to head with it, which is fine if you yeah. want to do something like that. Just keep them separate in my opinion. But yeah. Um, but Ray Fiennes is actually, when you think about it, the perfect choice to play him. You need somebody stoic, somebody that's believable, somebody that seems like they could have come up in the British spy system and seems like they're hiding something below the surface. There's something just undeniably fancy about Ray Fiennes. And dignified, too. Yes, He's got that, like 100%. Like, the dude's rocking suspenders in these movies, and it actually is <laughs> it like... It works. It works, yeah. They're like, like, you look good. Most of the time, you see suspenders, and you're like, nerd. Or you're just like, I don't want to listen to this guy. But when you get a, you get a proper Englishman, you're That's like, funny. all right, all right, the suspenders work. Um, he's very good in the role. He takes some action turns as it goes. There's something, whereas Judy Dench, you trusted her in general as M. With Ray Fiennes as M, you just feel like this guy would have no problem at all 
believing that he's like hiding something, that mm-hmm. there's something he's not telling you that he doesn't need you to know because you probably wouldn't do it if you knew it. So he, he works perfectly in that spy master role. So yeah. he, you know, I'm not, we don't have time to mention, it, but he did the constant gardener. So he's got that John LeCare kind of background where uh, he could have fit into like a Tinker Tailor soldier spy kind of I movie. I loved as well. The Constant Gardener so much. It's a movie. I, you know, I watched that movie because I was like sitting on the couch one day. I was too bored to, or too lazy to change the yeah. channel. And I was like, ugh, what's this movie going to be about? And then I watched it. I'm like, that was not what I, I thought. I actually that movie was haven't be. watched it in so long. I'm very due for yeah. a rewatch. That is a movie that you think is going to be about like a love story in a garden. And it is a full on spy thriller, man, that just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And again, does it, is it the movie that works or is it hit? Ray Fine's performance. I mean, you put Ray Fine's and Rachel Weiss in a movie. My ex-wife, of course. <laughs> show. You put you put those two in a movie together. You got some fireworks going, man. So. I really have not thought about that movie. I'm grabbing that from the library tonight. <laughs> Everybody's gonna have to wait. Oh, oh absolutely, man. <laughs> uh, get a little heavy time if you are looking for a John Le Carre or Ray Fine's movie. <laughs> uh, okay, another film. Love so much. The Grand Budapest Budapest Hotel. The first of the uh, what's the director's name? Wes Anderson. Uh, first Wes Anderson movie I legit liked. Oh, that that's was, good. That like got me to start watching some of the other ones because that movie is awesome. Man. And I just want everyone to know I know it's pronounced Budapest, but I don't want to. Nah. So for now, I'm going to say Budapest. Yeah, um, we're we're going to go with that. This is in the 1930s. The Grand Budapest Hotel is a popular European ski resort presided over by the concierge Gustav H, which is played by Rafe Fiennes. Um, he prides himself on providing first-class service to the hotel's guests, sometimes satisfying needs that wow he really you goes know, above he, and beyond he's got to get it going man he's got specific taste yes. for his clientele but when one of his lovers dies mysteriously he finds himself the recipient of a priceless painting the chief suspect in a murder and there we're off that scene where he's running away from the cops i guffawed when that happened yes. i was like oh my god it perfect is, timing it is that. classic wes anderson and i'm i'm super glad that he invited rafe into the films i guess he gave him the script and had him read it and then he's like Whatever character you want to play, you can play. And he was like, um, this lead one. Yeah, I want to play. Oh, oh, I get to play any character. Okay, well, how about the lead? I think I'll take that. Thank and, you. I mean, because it's in Fine's hand, like, his approach to Gustav, it's really subtle, but it's also overwhelmingly charming. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can't help but love him. He ha- also has this kind of, like, down-to-earthness that it just really draws you into the character. Um, I love him in that movie. I love that movie in general. Fantastic. It's another one I've said. It's I don't really, not a Wes Anderson fan, but this is one of those ones that I'm like, everything about this movie just works, man. It does. It's, it's, all, it's comes, perfect. comes out from the lead, so... Oh, let's get a couple more in. We love him so much. Let's what get, else you got? Let's get some popcorn corny ones in here. Okay. Uh, how about uh, Red Dragon? Do you remember that one? I never saw it. So it is the prequel to uh, Silence of the Lambs, and it is the technical prequel because they got Anthony Hopkins back for it. Yeah, I know you really like it. I do. I like the. It's my favorite of the uh, Hannibal Lecter books. Okay. Um, by a mile. Like I like Silence of the Lambs, but you know you've, the movie's been out so long that it's just kind of a thing there. Yeah. Um. So uh, he plays Francis Dolleride, who is the uh, titular Red Dragon in this movie. So he's got to play a killer role, one that's very hard to play because this is actually a remake. Uh, it was first made as Manhunter. It was oh. Mi- Michael Mann's first Hollywood okay. movie, uh, with William Peterson and stuff. Um. Oh, gosh, I'm flaking on the guy's name. But he's taking over. The roles originally played, remember Last Action Hero, like the the axe guy in that movie? No. Oh, Tom Noonan, that's who it okay. is. Okay. So 
you got to go after that creepy looking fool. Okay. Um, but he plays a very good psychopath in this movie. Um, it's a Edward Norton lead. Um, so again, another movie that's just packed to the gills. Philip Seymour Hoffman is messing around in here. Harvey Keitel's in this movie as well. Wow, really? Yeah, the killer cast. The only thing I knew was that I think Ray Fiennes put on like 40 pounds of muscle. He is jacked in this movie. Dude, I can't even imagine. Yeah, because the, this is one of like Thomas Harris's more, it's a scarier villain than okay. Adam Electra because this dude is just flat out nuts and he's also like physically able to do all of the things that he yeah. needs to do for this movie. How does the tattoo look on him because it took eight hours to apply it looks great and eight he, hours and one of the like when you read the book they make a big deal about how the thing like the tattoo he makes it feel like it is like wings like he makes a transformation when he goes from like francis to like the red dragon as he goes his two personalities and he okay. like gets bigger so the tattoo makes, is hugely important yeah he like uses it to like make himself look bigger like you yeah. can tell when he's becoming crazy because he gets himself more okay. jacked and stuff but <laughs> he's the hulk i got yeah, it basically um it's a really good movie. It's definitely worth watching if you want to watch. Watch them in order. Like, go Red Dragon, Silence, and then you go on to, like, uh, Hannibal. You probably avoid Hannibal Rising. I think everybody kind of All right, I'll check out that. Red Dragon. I don't know why I just always missed it. Mm, yeah, it's, it was kind of made out of a thriller role, you know. It's, it could have been better, but it's very good for what but it is. But all so. of these roles we've discussed so far, they're all over the board. Yeah, like he, he takes on all sorts of different roles. That is a sign of a very good actor. And we don't know anything about him. Like he's really private. And I feel like that also helps because you don't put a personality on him. No, not at besides all. Besides fancy I, pants because he's just as fancy and dignified. It's, it's, that, it's that accent, man. He's got that good old so, English gentleman accent. I know nothing about Ray Fiennes except for his movies. So. No, correct. And we're like, that's fine. <laughs> and his, you know, Billy Bush-esque brother that's just kind of. Oh, no, here kind we of go. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, oh you did a Come hand, on. You're on a handmaid's tale. That's great. I Joseph. have to talk about maybe one of the most infamous roles here, which is Lord Voldemort from Harry Potter. I mean, you can't even imagine anybody else in that role. Like, who else would they got? Charles Dance, Rowan Atkinson. I mean, like, he he said it? he's like, if there are ever something where they bring this story back and they don't ask me to be Voldemort, I will be very very upset. Yeah. Who was happier that those um, Fantastic Beast movies didn't take off than him? Yeah, and I mean, it's just like. He accents every gesture. His whole pace is really eerie. He has these real serpentine movements. The attention to detail, which I think he adorns to this performance, has made him one of the most iconic movie villains of the 21st century. Like, we know him from the book, but I couldn't have wanted him to look or act any differently like it's absolutely perfect i mean my dude doesn't show up to like a third or fourth movie and he lords over the entire series yeah like he's, he's not even in half of them and it's and i mean he's barely recognizable since he has no nose mm -hmm. um but his even his voice packs a punch even though he's kind of doing this whisper yeah, it's like oh Harry Potter. yes it's so good he has like a homicidal mirth in it like how do you mix all that in so that absolutely iconic performance that he almost did not take until his sister who has kids they were like you it's bigger than you understand because he didn't read Harry Potter he didn't watch the movies yeah so he had just kind of missed how big it was it's and like we're this, all very lucky like you were in Schindler's List my my man and this is going to be the movie people are going to remember you for as, yeah so, as a bigger villain which is wild it is crazy to think yeah about. Oh, so so good in that movie man Ugh. 
Love him. <clears throat> Love so, him so much. So, yeah, we're probably wrapping up. I want to do like one more. Eh, Going to throw you, a couple you, in. Uh, a couple of the ones like what were you? Everybody does some, some risky, bad ones that don't really work out, but okay. they're successful. Uh, he did The King's Man. That kind of killed You the loved suit. those movies, didn't you? No. I liked the first two. This third one, it wasn't his oh, fault. Okay. I just feel like the whole premise was a little bit off. There's okay. a really weird scene with him and Rasputin in there that <laughs> I don't even want to get into. Kind of took me out of the movie a little bit. <laughs> it's fine. He's he's fun to watch as an action movie. You know, okay. Maybe go watch the first two movies. You'll have a better time. Uh, and weirdly enough, he tried his hand at romantic comedies. He starred in uh, the Jennifer Lopez movie Made in Manhattan. That well, seems like an error. It's Jennifer Lopez's fifth highest grossing movie, so it was a big time hit. But is he good though? Like, is his acting good, or is the whole thing just too stupid? No, he's good. But I love that you've a, watched it. There's not. Well, it's Jennifer Lopez romantic comedy, baby. You know, <laughs> I was watching The Wedding Planner, and I'm like, I need to get a little more in depth into her catalog here. Um, he's fine in it. It's just you could tell it's the kind of movie when he's making it. He didn't care and it's kind of like i'm not gonna make these kind of he's movies like i'm anymore. trying and it doesn't feel right i mean it's a good jennifer lopez movie it's on the upper echelon of hers it's not a bad movie it's just like you're watching it and you're like eh, i don't but really it just think. shows there he is again yeah another genre of film yeah it's like you probably could have got somebody a little you didn't need to get uh ray fines for this movie but i'm happy sure. you did because you know, a little more forgettable. So go check out if you're looking for some popcorn fun. Go with those ones. And I have to mention this because this, I think, will have rounded out that he's in every type of film is the movie Strange Days. Oh, yeah, he was Remember in that. that? So that's like a brutal but kind of brilliant sci-fi thriller. I forgot. It's a millennium movie, man. Like, yo, this is what's going to happen when we hit the year 2000. Yeah. Get ready, it's like everybody. an edgier Blade Runner. It has kind of like yeah. similar ideas to The Matrix, but... It's very. It's definitely got a Philip K. Dick vibe to it. I wouldn't be surprised to hear he did like a pass on the. It does. Or it does. So he's playing a former policeman, and it's kind of like he's in this lucrative trade then, where you kind of there's an illegal sale of virtual reality recordings, but they actually are the experiences of others. But then you put the VR on, and you're kind of experiencing what someone legitimately did. It's a cool premise, man. I think it's It's kind a of, very it, cool premise. It's, it's been used in movies since then, so it's like, it's not a horrible idea. This movie was kind of before its time, and I think that here he actually even shows his range even more than ever. Like, he has a very convincing American accent, which doesn't always happen. Yeah, usually you get the, I am Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> and he's playing, like, a really suave performance different in a way than anything else that he has done and yet you still get like his vulnerability and emotion so it's a cool film if you like sci-fi films if you don't it's not for you a little forgotten it is it's an unfortunately forgotten movie but it's definitely worth going and to check he's out. young and hot he's got like longer hair he's got, he's got hair first of all well, yeah. <laughs> period in the Disney it looks pretty yeah he's good good actor in this movie man yeah that's a that's a good one but we're totally out of time because we can't stop fangirling here over Rafe so I, Jacob <laughs> why don't you plug us up so if you are looking to get your Rafe finds on and of course why wouldn't you be stop by your local library we got 37 branches all throughout Erie County. Stop on by. Just go ahead and say, I want my Rafe. And the librarian yeah, will be like, will happen. The librarian will be like, I know exactly what you want. <laughs> um, also, don't forget to visit our website at www.buffalolib.org. See what kind of programs we got going on at the library and come check it out, everyone. Okay, so a couple other facts about Rafe Fines. Did you know that out of the more than a dozen actors that have played Hamlet on Broadway, he is 
the first actor ever to win a Tony Award for it. Really? Oh, I did not know that. I figured yeah. somebody would have won it for kind nope. of a slam dunk role to win a Tony. So. And it's just him, so that just shows you the skills. Eat, eat, eat his dust, Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, so many, many years before he was um, cast as M in Skyfall, he was considered for the role of James Bond. Hmm. I you know think what? That, that could have worked. Yeah. Yes. I would have been all right with that. I would have too. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> Man, it's better than what we're going to end up with this next one. Like, I know. I don't even want to think about it. And then this is the end last. Up with Tom Holland is Bond or something. <laughs> Stop it. This is the last fact about him that it really pains me to say. But he is a huge, huge professional wrestling fan. My man. I did not know. Do you know what this means, Michelle? No. I could be hanging out with uh, Ray Fiennes talking about AEW and he'll be like, I am a big fan of Orange Cassidy. (laughs) I'm disgusted by this, but anyway, thank you. Hangman Page is going to defeat Kenny Omega. Let me end the show. I can't with you. Thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time. Bye. 